And that's been our prayer all week, that Jesus would shake up the ground in this place today, that the Spirit of God would break down some walls, because His way truly is better. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Hey, there is no mountain He can't move, no chain He can't break. And today, that's about to happen in your life. So would you do me a favor and get your hopes up right now? Get your expectations up right now for what God's about to do in your life, church. It is so good to be together today. Hey, God just asks us to ask, to seek, and we will find, to knock, and the door will be opened. And so as one body, let's ask right now that the Spirit would do something special in this room all over this place. So Father God, we love you so much. Spirit of God, we thank you that you are here to counsel and comfort and call us forward. I pray right now all over this room that you would do just that, that you would prepare our hearts to hear from you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Church, you may take a seat. Hey, welcome to week five of We Are. This series has been special. We've been answering the question, who are we? Because I don't know about you, but I always have lots of complicated decisions that I need to make in life. And we can't go around and help everybody make all of those decisions all day. But what we can do is talk about who we are. And when we know who we are, we'll know what to do. And so today's message is special. Man, I've been like a kid on Christmas morning all week getting ready for this because I've got some really good news. Week five of this series is we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. You and I are temples of the Holy Spirit. And this isn't my words. This is according to scripture. Paul says it this way. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? I didn't even, I didn't even have like some wordplay there. I just plagiarized Paul. Sorry, Paul. Cite my source, 1 Corinthians 6. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. This means that the Spirit of God is actually alive in you, empowering you, counseling you, commissioning you to move forward. And it's really good news. But I know enough, and I've been around enough to know that at this point, there are a whole bunch of different emotions all across this room, right? I said that today we're talking about being temples of the Holy Spirit. And some of you said, hey, it's about time, you know? And hey, for you, you're right, this, this sermon is for you. Others of you said, the holy what? What are you talking about, right? And this sermon is for you. We're gonna talk all about who the Holy Spirit is. Some of you rolled your eyes because maybe you grew up hearing all about the Holy Spirit from, people's, from people whose lives didn't bear the fruit of the Spirit. Or maybe others of you are looking at your spouse like, hey, if he prays again, we're getting out of here because uh, last time we talked about this topic at some other place, it got weird and uncomfortable. And hey, if that's you, take a breath. Thank you for being here. This talk is for you. We're going to talk about that as well. Because I've noticed that the, the Holy Spirit is kind of like a video on YouTube. You know, you ever logged on and watched a video on YouTube and thought, oh, this makes a lot of sense. Like I have a lot of clarity after I watched this video. And then you scroll down to the comments and you feel like you just walked into like a war zone. You know, like people are lobbing grenades back and forth at each other, like saying terrible things about the person and about one another. And you're just like, wait, 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 wait. I had so much clarity when I just watched the source, but now that I look at the comments, like I don't know what to think anymore, right? 
What I've noticed with the Spirit is when we just get back to the source, when we just get back to Scripture and read about what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, it's actually really clear, really easy to understand, and really, really good news. He's just our, our helper, our counselor, our commissioner, right? They're doing power us. It's when we get caught up in all of the opinions and, and all of the, the confusion and all of the debate that we start to lose sight of things and things start to get weird. So if, if we can for today, my goal is just to get back to scripture, get back to the source as best as I know how and take a look at what the Bible has to say about being temples of the Holy Spirit. Does that sound good today? Ian, does that sound good to you, man? Perfect. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Walk in late. He sits in the front row. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. Thanks for being here. It's good to see you, man. It's so good to see you. Uh, hey, we are going to go back in time to the Old Testament. So I hope you've got your thinking caps on. Danny the barista, you got your thinking cap on. You ready to roll? All right. Old Testament is where this language of temple comes from. So if you've read your Bible, and the second book of the Bible is the book of Exodus, right in the very beginning of the story of God and his people. And uh, in the book of Exodus, God brings his people out of slavery and into freedom. But if you know the story, they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. While they're wandering in the wilderness, they decide, hey, we need God's spirit to dwell with us. And so they set up this thing called the tabernacle because they want God's presence with them. Hey, there's something about the wilderness, isn't there? It reminds us how much we actually need our creator. Hey, there's something about the loneliness of a pandemic that reminds us how much we need our creator and our community. And so they're wandering through the wilderness and they decide, hey, we need the spirit of God to dwell with us. So they set up this thing called a tabernacle. Now, it's really just a, a glorified tent that is mobile and Moses would say things like in Exodus 33 where he goes, hey, if the spirit of God doesn't go before us, we're not going anywhere. Like we want the presence of God with us. Well, about 500 years later, they are well established in the promised land and they decide um, the, this mobile tent that we had set up, it's time for like a more permanent option. And so we're going to turn that tabernacle into a temple. So when you hear the words tabernacle and temple, all I'm saying right now is don't get confused. It's the same thing. The tabernacle is just the mobile uh, uh, version of the more solid temple. So if you were with us in 2019, our church was mobile because every Sunday we had to set up church. We like literally all of our stuff was in this big container and every Sunday at 5 a.m. we'd show up and set everything up, right? And then when we, the next year, when we got this space, we set everything up and we realized, oh, like we don't have to tear this down tonight so we can actually make this way nicer and set it up the way that we want to set it up, right? So if you think about it, 2019 Red Rocks Austin was kind of like the tabernacle. And then 2020, 2021 Red Rocks Austin is kind of like the temple. Same setup, same God, same idea, just more permanent. Does this make sense? Are we with me? Are you with me? Good. Trust me, we're going somewhere. Stick with me for one second. Let's talk about what this temple looked like. It had three sections to it. Now, if you are an Old Testament scholar out there, you're going, this is too oversimplified. And to you, I would say, I get 30 minutes to try to explain this really complicated <laughs> thing. We'll do a whole class on it some other time. Simplified version, three sections to the temple. First, you got the outer court. Then you've got the holy place. And then there is this curtain right here and a spot called the Holy of Holies. And this is where the Spirit of God, the presence of God 
was. So if our church was the temple, it's not for clarity. We're gonna get to that, okay? It's important that you know that I don't actually believe what I'm about to say. But if it was, then our lobby out there where everyone's just hanging out and drinking coffee would be like our outer court, right? And then when you go through those doors right there, you would be entering into the holy place. But then, I don't know if you guys knew this about our setup, but there's actually this curtain right here. You see what I did there? And behind this curtain is the Holy of Holies. Okay? So everybody is allowed in the outer courts back in these days. Only the priests were allowed in the holy place. And nobody was allowed behind this curtain. This is where God's presence was. Only one person was allowed to go behind these curtains, and that one person, the high priest, was only allowed to go behind these curtains one day out of the year, okay? One person, the high priest, behind these curtains one day out of the year. So this would be like, nobody goes back there. We just send Doug through there one day a year, and we're like, hey, go atone for all of our sins, Doug. Good luck, you know? And there's a tradition that they would tie a rope to the high priest when he went into the Holy of Holies in case God's presence was so much that he, that he just died and they could pull him out so his body didn't just like, Doug and E and I were laughing so hard about reenacting that for you guys, but <laughs> felt like too much. The point is, in the Old Testament, God's presence was over there and God's people were over here and we were trying to bridge the gap between a, a, per, an imperfect pe in, a bunch of imperfect people and a perfect God. The Old Testament is full of page after page after page of rituals and sacrifices that have to be made so that imperfect people can find their way into the Holy of Holies. Enter Jesus. Jesus comes on the scene, and, and as John writes about him in John chapter one, it says the word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We miss something with this word as English speakers, this word dwelling. This could literally be translated, the word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. The word became flesh. Jesus came to this earth as the presence of God in human form. So Jesus walks around fully human and also fully God at the same time, and you see this everywhere he goes, people are healed. Demons run away. Demons like beg for mercy, it's wild, right? Healings, relationships restored, the whole deal. Jesus comes on the scene as the presence of God walking around, but he doesn't stop there. He also goes to the cross to pay the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. We read about this in Matthew 27. This is one of those passages that is so easy just to skim by. We're gonna take our time here for a second. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. This is Jesus on the cross in his last moments. Gives up his spirit and at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Do you realize what we just read? In that moment, Jesus on the cross breathes his last breath, and as he does, this curtain, the thing separating God's presence from us, tears into two. Why? 
Because the Old Testament is full of, of page after page of, of sacrifices and rituals to help imperfect people get to a perfect God. The New Testament is the story of God coming to a bunch of imperfect people. And so Jesus lays down his life for us, pays the one sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice. The veil is torn in two, and suddenly God's presence isn't just behind this curtain, but is actually living inside of us. And, and so today, if you get on a plane and go to Jerusalem, you can uh, get fairly close to, there's been a lot of construction, a lot of wars, a lot of, a lot of things that have happened, but you can get fairly close if you go to the Western Wall, the tunnels down there, to where the Holy of Holies was. And let's be real, like, I wanna get there. That's on my list. That's a bucket list thing for me to do. I haven't been yet, but one day I would like, like what a sacred space that must be. But if I'm reading scripture right, then that means that also, <laughs> this is true, right? This is true because, hey, the Old Testament is a story uh, about imperfect people trying to enter into the Holy of Holies. The New Testament is the story of the Holy of Holies entering into imperfect people. So this feels strange, right? And by the way, this, anyone who follows Jesus, like this sign, this isn't me. Like, please don't misinterpret. Like, I get this and everybody else can come to me. That's missing the entire point. Right, this is any, any Jesus follower can wear this sign around their neck because the Holy Spirit, we are now temples of the Holy Spirit. And let's be real, this feels a bit strange, especially if you know me. I'm the last person who deserves to wear this sign. And that's the entire point. Thank you, but that's the entire point. <laughs> The entire point of the story is that God made a way so a bunch of imperfect people could be in his presence. And so this is crazy, and this is amazing, and this is one of those truths that we're gonna be wrestling with for the rest of our lives. But you may be thinking right now, like, hey, what does this mean for, like, my Monday? You know? Like, that's great. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what it means for your Monday. It means tomorrow when you go to work, you're not just going to your cub cubicle you're a temple of the Holy Spirit in your cubicle. You're not just walking into a classroom, you're carrying the presence of God with you. When you walk onto the basketball court, you're not just walking onto the basketball court, you're bringing the presence of God with you. When you show up to the spike ball tournament tonight, 6 p.m., shout out Matt, you're not just showing up to the spike ball tournament, you're carrying the presence of God with you. So how do we, where do we go from there? Like, 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 what does that mean practically for us? What I wanna do with our time today is I wanna give you three words, three words to describe the Holy Spirit's role in our life. Three words to help you understand what the Holy Spirit is currently at work doing in your own soul. And as I give you these three words, I want you to pay attention to the one that grabs your attention. Just hold on to that one word this week. Meditate on that one word this week. Three words to describe the role of the Holy Spirit. The first one is this. The Holy Spirit comforts. Anybody need some comfort today? We've got good news. The Holy Spirit does, isn't just really good at bringing comfort. 
The Holy Spirit is the comforter. Not my words, Jesus' words. John 16, check this out. But I tell you the truth. It is better for you that I go away. For if I, if I may not go away, listen, look at this. The comforter, like big C, capital, big C, capital C. <laughs> it's like when I, I always tell people like, are you going to Kids Rock or are you gonna come to big church? And they look at me like, what? You mean like church for adults? I don't know. Capital C. What's that? What kind of noun is it, is it when it's capital? Proper. There it is. Not just really good at bringing comfort, but this is grammar also. We're, it's holistic around here. Comforter will not come to you, and if I go on, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit isn't just really good at bringing comfort. The Holy Spirit is actually the comforter. And we need to talk about this. We need to start here because I would say 75% of the conversations I have with people about the Holy Spirit start with them saying something along the lines of, well, I had this like experience at this spirit-filled place and it was really uncomfortable. And if I can push for a second, the Holy Spirit is the comforter and your experience was uncomfortable, then maybe that wasn't the Holy Spirit, right? That would be like saying, I drank a bunch of water and then I got really thirsty. So, so I'm gonna push, and I don't mean for this to be divisive at all. You know my heart. If, when I said it's time to talk about how we are temples of the Holy Spirit, something inside of you got scared, got anxious, got nervous, said, man, I wanna get out of here, could it be that that experience that you had had a whole lot more to do with the imperfections of imperfect people than it did with the perfect God who calls himself the comforter? And just so we're clear, I'm talking about myself at times have made this mistake of just with good intentions trying to create an atmosphere for people to experience the Holy Spirit and doing it imperfectly. So, so if I'm throwing stones at anybody, it's at myself. This is just what we do. We're, we're finite people trying to explain a, an infinite God, right? So we're going to make mistakes. But, but I, I, I don't want you to, to, to turn off from this conversation because of a past experience. I want to remind you that the Comforter is actually here to heal and, and, and heal, here to sit with you and here to remind you, hey, I, I'm with you. So if that's you, don't listen to anything else I say today. Don't listen to any of the other two words. Don't, don't listen to any of this stuff. Your one takeaway for this sermon is that the Holy Spirit is here to comfort you. And all I want you to do this week is just meditate on that reality. Stop three times a day and go, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is here to comfort me. And just get used to tuning in to the comfort that the Holy Spirit brings. I was talking to Doug yesterday. We were working through a, section of this talk and afterwards he goes hey how, how are you feeling and I, I said I'm I'm good man I'm just you know I got a ways to go tonight to try to internalize this thing and I want it to be right and he goes hey what if you just spent all that time just hanging out with the Holy Spirit and I need to be reminded of that sometimes right because the Holy Spirit is actually the one who brings us the comfort that we're looking for anywhere you go this week remember the comforter is coming with you now, word number two. The Holy Spirit doesn't just comfort, the Holy Spirit also counsels. 
The Holy Spirit is the counselor. Again, Jesus' words, not mine. John chapter 14 says this, but the counselor, another big C there, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So it's important that we get the order correct here. The Holy Spirit is our counselor, but he comforts us first. In other words, he, he desires to be in relationship with us before he starts to, to move the pieces around, right? Hey, we live in a day and age where people like to correct before they like to connect. Sometimes just correct without connecting at all. Sometimes connecting just so that, like, I'll pay for your lunch, but now I'm gonna tell you what I think, right? The Spirit doesn't work that way. God desires relationship with you And so the comfort is always going to be there first. But then in the context of relationship, there's going to be times where the Holy Spirit goes, hey, you've been going this way, now let's, let's change and go this way. Hey, hey, um, maybe it's time to stop using that word. Hey, maybe it's time to stop talking about those people, like they're those people, and start realizing that we're all people, right? Hey, maybe it's time to, to stop trying to medicate in that way. Hey, how about this one? Maybe it's time to stop looking for your comfort with your drug of choice. Maybe it's time to realize that I am your comforter. And so you don't need those drinks for that confidence. I actually am that confidence for you, right? This is what happens after he, he brings us that comfort. He starts to counsel us or convict if you're ready for that word. And I think we're a bit allergic to that word. It's almost like a, a cuss word because it starts to sound like condemnation. Maybe we have baggage from our past, right? And may I just say, here at Red Rocks Austin, we preach boldly just about every week what Paul writes in Romans 8.1, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We start there. We say no to shame, and we say get that shame away from there, away from us, because we know who we are as Christians. And now from there, conviction is something that we celebrate, like conviction is actually good news because the Spirit's not saying you're wrong, right? This, the, the Spirit's saying, hey, hey, God, Jesus' work on the, on the cross was plenty to atone for your sins. Now, let's talk about how that one action probably wasn't leading to human flourishing, right? Like, like, let's talk about how we can get better from there. This happens to me all the time. It happened to me on Tuesday evening. I was walking through my neighborhood listening to a book. I hardly ever, I, I always talk about, oh, I've been reading lately. I'm always just listening to Audible, right? Because I just attain information way better when I listen to it. Thank God for Audible. Walking through my neighborhood, I'm listening to a book called Forgotten God by Francis Chan. And uh, if you're interested in this, this Holy Spirit topic and you wanna dive deeper in Forgotten God by Francis Chan is a great place to start. I'm listening to Forgotten God, walking through my neighborhood. I just feel, this is just gentle conviction by the Holy Spirit. I sit down on a, a bench in this little park and I just have this moment where I realize, hey, uh, it feels like the Spirit's just counseling me, going, hey, you're, you're running hard, you're running in the right direction, you're doing great. Uh, you're getting caught up, though, in, as the writer of Hebrews says, that, that sin that just so easily entangles you, right? And, and, and callings are a lot easier to chase down when you don't have so much weight that you're grabbing. And so I realize, like, yeah, some of those words that I said today at work, like, those, that wasn't it. Some of that, that gossip, that, that, that wasn't it. That's not what I, what I'm, what, like how I want to live. Some of that anger that I felt was just me responding 
in an unhealthy way because I forgot my identity as a child uh, of God and I got frustrated in a moment and I got angry. I'm sorry, Lord. Spirit, let's, let's, let's get better tomorrow. Would you empower me to do better tomorrow? That's it. That's all it was. And some of you need to hear that this morning from a pastor. It wasn't like this long, like five-hour moment of repentance. And there's nothing wrong with those. But, but it was just this little, just completely normal spirit of God just going, hey, you've been going this way. It's time to go this way. I finished. I, I sat down. I had that moment with God. I got up, walked back to my condo, made some dinner, watched the Suns and the Clippers game. You know, it's about as normal. It happens, it happens all the time in our discipleship or apprenticeship with Jesus. And, and so let me push for just one second. If you've been following Jesus for a long time, but you can't remember the last time the Spirit of God gave you that gentle conviction, then is there a chance that you've been creating God in your own image instead of the other way around? This is what the Spirit does gently convicts, gently counsels, gently says, hey, we can do better, let's go. No condemnation, get the condemnation out. Now, let's counsel. Maybe that's your word this week. What is the spirit of God trying to tell you to let go of? Here's the really good news. Spirit doesn't just counsel us, tell us to drop things for the sake of dropping things. The spirit counsels us to get us ready for our third word, Spirit commissions us, commissions. He comforts us, then he counsels us. He has us, has us let go of some things that aren't helping, some extra weight that's weighing us down so that we can be ready for this next season that we are about to step into. Commission, if you're wondering what I mean by that word, here's my def- this is just my definition. Commission is an invitation to be a part of something bigger than yourself to put down temporary things and start fighting for and working toward eternal things. Commission, this was what Jesus said in Matthew 28. Last thing he said to his disciples was this. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, here it comes, go and make disciples. Go and pass on these teachings that I have given you. Go and teach people how to live like me, how to, how to be like me, how to be temples of the Holy Spirit. And then if you keep reading, he says, I'm with you. My spirit is going to be with you every step of the way. We all have the same mission to go and make disciples. It's a co-mission. But the way that that works out looks different for every one of us because we all have different gifts and different passions and different things that we are good at. And so I wonder if some of you in this room, uh, comfort is your word. Some of you in this room, counsel is your, your word. I feel like there's some other people in this room who right now the spirit is tapping on the shoulder going, hey, I've got something for you. I've got a next step for you. I've got a next adventure for you. Are you ready? Are you ready to step into a new level of your, your anointing? Are you ready to step into a, a new season? Are you ready? I didn't just have you drop those things back there for the sake of dropping those things. I had you drop those things because it's time to, to pick up something new. This is what the Spirit of God does. He taps us on the shoulder and says, hey, let's go. Are you ready to have some fun? Come on, come with me, let's go. I'll explain it like this. Um, wind the clock back to 2009. 
Everybody remember where they were in 2009? Uh, Doug and Ethan and I were college roommates, Boulder, Colorado, go Buffs. And uh, we were living on the hill, and if you're familiar with Boulder, the hill is the place where all the parties are at, and we have this house, and Doug and Ethan and I are, are best friends who have one passion. We love to throw parties, like a lot. We're really passionate about it, and we're really good at it. Like, we're the guys who can come up with any reason out of nowhere to get everybody together to celebrate, and everybody's welcome, and everybody has a great time. But if we were honest, even back then, we would tell you it was fun, but it was fleeting. We knew it wasn't the long game, but we didn't know any other way to go. And so we just kind of kept doing that for a while. And then through a series of events that I don't have time to get into today, I will tell you as we go, Jesus just grabbed a hold of our lives. The Jesus stories in the gospel is just started becoming utterly compelling to us. And this commission to lay down our lives to be a part of something bigger than us. We just fell in love with it. We just, 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 just surrendered, just said, Jesus, use us however, however you want. We're, we're, we're done. We're gonna walk away from all that stuff. Spirit, whatever you have for us, because we start to feel that comfort, and then we start to feel that, that, that counseling, that conviction that we need to let some of those other things down. But then there was this like awkward time where we let those other things down and then we didn't really know what to do, you know? It's like, okay, we're not going to throw those parties, but now like, what do we do? And it was around that time that we felt like the Spirit of God tapped us on the shoulders again. And I said, okay, now, now we've, we've let go of those things. Now it's time to commission you because I've got something better for you. What we felt like the Spirit of God was saying is, hey, we don't ever want you to stop throwing parties. This is who you are. This is who we created you to be. You're really good at it. Keep throwing parties. It's just that the theme of these parties is going to shift. And so here we are 12 years later, and we still haven't stopped throwing parties. It's just that they happen every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Bring all your friends. Everybody's welcome. We have a good time. And we're not the focus anymore. Jesus is the focus. We're not the animating force anymore. The Spirit of God is the animating force. We're not trying to make our house more popular. We're trying to make heaven more crowded. We're not just settling for temporary fleeting fun. We're more focused on eternal life change. And at these parties, the tra trajectory of people's lives start to change because the Spirit of God gets a hold of people's lives and starts to counsel, and then starts, starts to comfort, and starts to counsel. And then before you know it, it starts to say, hey, I've got something more for you too. And you start to feel these commissions. I get people coming up to me all the time with all these new ideas, right? All these new things that they want to do. They'll like walk out of a service, and they're like, I know it. I know what I'm supposed to do. It's just, it's the best thing ever. It's like, yeah, go get out there yeah, and, and help whoever it is, whatever it is for you. Go start that mentoring program, whatever it is, go. This is what happens when the spirit of God grabs a hold of our lives. Church, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. This is the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, I didn't say this at the nine. I, I feel like I need to say it here. I was, uh, I'll end here. I was in a lunch with a mentor of mine a few months ago. 
he came to church on a Sunday. We had this great Sunday, and then we went to Lupe Tortilla. Yeah. And we were just enjoying everything that God had just done the day before and celebrating, and I sit down with him, and he's asking me questions. I'm like, okay, this is just the beginning. We have all these ideas. Here's where we're gonna go. Here's what we're gonna start. Like, God behind bars is coming, and then we've got all these classes. We gotta grow. Everything's coming together. This is going to be amazing. And he's sitting on the other side of the table, just smiling, listening. And he goes, man, that's so good. That's so great. Go do those things. And then he says, one of the great dangers of ministry is when you start to feel like you're good enough to do it on your own. And uh, the waiter is coming by to like refill our waters and like, is this guy okay? What's, he's just crying. What's, what's, was the burrito that bad? Hey, as we go, as we learn to walk in step with the Spirit, there is this never-ending balance that we are all going to have to learn to, to, to embrace and give each, give each other grace in, and it's this. Walking in step with the Spirit requires effort and surrender at the same time. And when we get the effort, but we don't get the surrender, when we get the effort without the Spirit, it just looks like striving, and striving leads to burnout, leads to ex exhaustion, leads to us uh, forgetting why we did all of this in the first place. And so I just feel like I need to say this for anybody in the room who just feels like, I don't know. I don't know about this whole church thing anymore. It was working for a while, now I just feel tired. I wonder if there is a chance that what the Spirit started in your life, you are now trying to bring to completion on your own strength. Paul says it like this, Galatians 3, verse three. Are you so foolish? He used stronger words. Paul's words, not mine. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you, are you now trying to be perfected by the flesh? And my counselor's looking at me, asking me that question, and I'm going, yeah, I'm doing that thing again, man. I'm doing that thing where things start to go well, and then I start to go, oh, I've got this now. So I'll do this now, right? And we have this moment where I'm crying, and the waitress is all confused, and I just have this moment where I go, Gary, I need to, I need to just surrender again. I need to let the Spirit do what the Spirit does. And so I wonder all across this room if there have been some people who have been trying to find comfort on their own strength. Maybe the thing that the Spirit started in your life, you are now trying to go, yeah, but I think I can, I can find some comfort on my own. I can go to my own device or my own drug or my own whatever. I can find my comfort over there. Or maybe I can find comfort in that other imperfect person. I'll just let them be my comfort, which is just unfair to that other person who will let you down, right? Maybe church, there are some people in this room who need to relearn the art of surrendering to the Spirit. Surrendering to the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to be your comforter today. Some of you are stepping into brand new seasons and maybe you're not even sleeping well at night and you don't know what's going on. What if this week, Every moment that you can't sleep, you just go, Spirit, would you be my comforter? That's a, that was a bed pun, <laughs> a sheet pun. Be my comforter. Not planned, Aaron. Not good, don't clap. It'll only get worse if you clap. 
Some of you have been feeling this, this, this call, this conviction, whatever word you wanna use to, to get better, to overcome an addiction, to, to stop thinking a certain way or stop talking a certain way about certain people. But if you're honest, even though the Spirit began that good work in you, you've been trying to complete it on your own strength. And I wonder this morning as we sing, if what you need to do is just open your hands and go, Spirit of God, I'm sorry that I'm trying to perfect myself on my own strength. I can't do it. I haven't been able to do it for years. Spirit of God, would you come and would you be my counselor? Would you be the one that walks alongside with me? Would you be the one who empowers me to move forward? And then some of you, man, are feeling that tap on your shoulder. It's time to go. It's time to do something. It's time to step up and, and, and be a part of the kingdom of God. Step into a new level of anointing and you're just terrified. You're just terrified. Can we go back to that cycle real quick? Here's the beautiful thing. God commissions us and then we get terrified. And what's the next thing that happens? The Holy Spirit goes, yeah, perfect. You're scared? Great, I'm the comforter, I got you. So let me be your comforter. And then as we go, you're gonna be into a new level of your faith. And so there's gonna be some more counseling that's gonna to need to happen. And then I'm going to commission you to a next level and you're gonna be scared once again, but I'm going to comfort you once again. And you just keep going around and around and around. This is called being led by the Spirit of God. Church, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God lives inside you. So don't you play small this week. Don't you be scared this week. You remember that the Spirit is there to comfort you, to counsel you, and to commission you. So would you stand to your feet with me? I just wanna pray a prayer of blessing over you. And we're gonna ask that the Spirit of God would do a work in this room right now as we get ready to sing. Father God, I thank you for every soul in this room. I thank you for every soul watching online. Spirit of God, you know everyone's story. You know what each person needs right now. And so for those who need comfort, I pray in the name of Jesus, that spirit, you would do what you were meant to do. You would do what you do best, that you would surround us and wrap us in your comfort. For those who need counsel, conviction, who are being called to something higher, Lord, I pray that your gentle conviction would be followed by a reminder that you are crazy about each one of us, that we are your sons, that we are your daughters, that you have us in the palm of your hand and that you're just calling us to drop something because you have something bigger for us. And so now, Father, for everyone who is feeling that commission right now, for everyone who's feeling like the Spirit is calling them to the next level, I pray that you would speak boldly, that you would speak clearly, and that you would fill us with your comfort so that we can move forward. So Father God, would you shake up the ground of all of our traditions? Would you begin to break down the walls of all of our religion and remind us, Lord, that your way is better in Jesus' name.